morning, everyone. To start, I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. God, may the meditations of my heart and the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing to you, my Lord and my God. Amen. Recently, when I was in Dunedin, we talked about cliche facings and how they don't quite often capture the reality of life. Today's reading in John, verses 19 through 28, can be summed up in a pithy, you just gotta have faith. But you and I both know that's more often easier said than done. So I feel for Thomas in this passage. He often gets a bad rap. As the one who doubts, as the one who doesn't have enough faith. Focusing on Thomas's faith, or lack of it, is to miss the remarkable fact that Jesus shows up three separate times to Mary Magdalene, to Thomas, and to the other disciples. In a time when they were grieving and confused, Jesus showed up for them. And to be honest, I don't know about you, but I never really got the significance of Jesus showing up in a time of grief and pain, like John 20 tells us, until it happened to me. Maybe it's because we're both twins, but I can relate to Thomas. In scripture, his twin is never mentioned by name, but I know for me, my life makes the most sense when I'm with my twin sister, Rachel. I've spent so much time with her that I nearly convinced myself that we were identical twins, save for our color. In reality, we were often foils to each other. I liked reading, and she thought it was boring. I liked school, and she liked playing outside. Even though we were opposites, she was my best friend, and still is to this day. When it came time to think about university, I told my sister we had to go to different universities. After sharing a birthday and a friend group for so many years, I wanted to experience what it would be like to be known as Elise, and not Rachel and Elise. Well, my first year at university was a difficult one. I had a room to myself after sharing a room with Rachel for most of my life. And I had a harder time making friends than I thought I would. One bright spot for me was getting involved in the campus ministry called Embrace. I loved it. Then, second year came, and I felt discontent. You see, my whole life, I've had a disability. As a little kid, my mom told me the story about how I got my disability, and it goes a little something like this. Before I was born, I had a grade four brain bleed, which is the worst you can have. And the doctors told my parents that they weren't sure that I was gonna be able to walk or talk or function independently. Even as a kid, I knew that disabled people were seen as burdens, which is why it meant so much to me that my grandmother said, no matter what happens, we'll take her. And in a larger part of the same story, which I won't go into for the interest of time, my mom talked to me about the power of prayer and the faith that my family had throughout the entire time 
that my siblings and I spent in the hospital as babies. So it never occurred to me to think that God had a problem with me being disabled. That didn't happen until later. Growing up, I had a tough time coming to terms with being disabled. My mom would tell you it's because I'm stubborn. Other little kids would come up to me and they would ask me, what's wrong with you? My siblings didn't treat me any differently, which I love them for, but it also meant that they could easily beat me at tag, and that frustrated me greatly. I just wanted my body to move like theirs had. I had no one to talk to what, about what it was like to be disabled. And so, when I went to university, I was excited to learn more about disability and talk to more people about it. But hardly anyone was talking about it, not even the campus ministry that I love so much. It was disheartening, and I was a little bit lost at what to do. Luckily for me, I was a part of the religion and philosophy department, where faculty and students met monthly to talk about philosophical and theological conversations. In these meetings, I realized that the philosophy professor, Dr. Jackson, was disabled and talked about it openly. So I worked up the courage to ask him to teach me about disability history. He gave me disability studies books to read, and it was like I finally had access to a part of me that I always felt was missing. I felt like I had experienced what I had experienced in regard to disability finally made sense. And so one day, I decided to read about the intersection between disability and Christianity, my two passions. I got my hands on some church history that talked about the experiences of disabled people. And I read pages and pages about how disability is equated with sin and demons and how some parts of the church wouldn't let disabled people be in ministry. And it broke my heart. And because of this, the non-disabled Jesus that I grew up with my whole life didn't make much sense to me anymore. And once again, it broke my heart. And I wonder if it broke Thomas's heart too, that his friend saw Jesus and he didn't. Maybe he couldn't get the story of Jesus on the cross out of his head, and he didn't want that to be the last image of Jesus he had. Maybe, like me, he just wanted Jesus to be there for him in a way he could relate to. As verses 26 and 27 tell us, Jesus mysteriously and miraculously shows up, just like he had for Mary at the beginning of the chapter and for the other disciples. Not only that, but Jesus shows up exactly how Thomas requested, allowing him to touch his nail-marked hands and wounded side. And the first thing that Jesus offers to Thomas was words of peace, of reassurance. Perhaps for Thomas, the words of peace assured him that Jesus was not mad at him, that this was not some kind of test. And for the other disciples, it told them that this was the same Jesus that appeared to them a week before. The interesting thing here is that Thomas doesn't ask Jesus to show up any differently than Jesus had for the other disciples. Yet, Thomas gets a bad rap for his supposed lack of faith. 
I can relate to Thomas here. When I realized that non-disabled Jesus did nothing for me but remind me of ableism, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken because I felt like I had to leave my campus ministry, my community. Fortunately, there was a seminary right across the street from my university. So one day, in a last-ditch effort, I walked over there and meekly asked if there were any books on disability and Christianity. One of the books I was able to check out was called The Disabled God by Nancy Eislin. In this book, she imagines the creator God in a puff wheelchair. She says that Jesus was disabled by the crucifixion event, and furthermore, that Jesus' post-resurrection scars are a mark of his disablement. His scars show a Jesus that knows pain and the mark it leaves. Iceland's depictions of God were life-giving for me. In that moment, I was a bit like Thomas, reassured by an embodied Jesus that Jesus understood where it was coming from and showed up. God knew what it is to be disabled and could empathize with my day-to-day experiences of being disabled. Not to mention, my discovery of the disabled God meant that maybe I didn't have to leave my faith community. It wasn't all sunshine and roses, and I imagine for the disciples it wasn't all sunshine and roses either. Yes, Jesus came back, but that didn't mean life stopped. In fact, some scholars suggest that John 20 was the original ending of the Gospel of John, communicating to us that much of what happened after Jesus' ascension is a mystery to us. I wonder that if, after Jesus' ascension, the disciples tried to tell people about the resurrected Jesus, pointing to where Jesus' scars would have been on their own bodies and recounting the story about how Jesus showed up to them. And I'm sure there was a range of reactions from some listeners, some believing no questions asked, some with questions, even objections. My experience of telling people about disabled Jesus has been a little bit like that. Disabled Jesus challenges ideas of Western ideas of independence, healing, and wholeness. Disability theology picks up on this and asks questions about the nature of healing and wholeness. It doesn't ask us to throw out the possibility of healing altogether, but asks us to consider if healing and wholeness look differently than we thought they would. And maybe that's what the resurrected Jesus in both Gospels of Luke and John communicates to us. In the words of disability theologian and my friend, Michelle Eastman, quote, Jesus' resurrected body still had wounds, so does mine. Jesus' resurrected body appeared to be in pain, so is mine. Jesus' resurrected body perfectly held fragility and divinity, so does mine, end quote. In addition for being a fitting text to convey a part of my faith story and some of my passions, this chapter of John is really powerful for another reason, the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, Jesus gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And although it is not mentioned explicitly in the text, elsewhere in scripture, it talks about how the Holy Spirit was with the disciples always and is with us always. Well, not all of us can point to a specific experience of Jesus showing up, like in John 20. 
we can all look to the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us notice where Jesus shows up in our lives. In times of pain and grief like the disciples, but also in times of joy and celebration. The Holy Spirit is known by different names, but the one I like the most, thinking in terms of disability, is the advocate. Advocacy is a big part of United States disability culture on both personal and collective levels. From personal experience, I know that advocacy is hard work. It requires listening, discernment, and strength. The life of faith is like that too. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we practice discernment and cultivate strength individually and collectively. Discernment and cultivating strength are daunting tasks. Therefore, let us rest in the promise of scripture that we don't have to do these tasks alone. We don't have to take on the stresses of life alone or celebrate joy by ourselves. Like the disciples in, in today's gospel, we have each other and we have the support of the Holy Spirit to know where Jesus has, is, and will show up for us. Amen.